Today's Your Stories is brought to you by Basecamp. When you use Basecamp to run projects, people know what to do, people know where things are, and you stay on top of everything all the time. Thanks, Basecamp! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey everyone, I'm Eric Garneau, and this is a special episode of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast, recorded at the University of Illinois' Allen Hall. Nerdalogs founder Kevin Reeder was Allen's artist-in-residence a couple weeks ago, and for the last night of his week of programs, he brought me down to help run a Your Story show featuring some very talented university students. So this episode, you'll get pieces from Avalon Ruby, Brock Russell, Rachel Pellegrino, Jesus Monroy, Sarah Miller, myself, and of course Kevin Reeder, and I'm bringing some tunes as well. Um, this was a really cool episode to record, and we hope you enjoy it. Um, there are so many Nerdalogs things I can plug right now, but at the moment, I'll start with this. Uh, voting for the year-end Best of Podcast and Show is now up on the Nerdalogs site as well as Facebook. Let us know your favorite stories and songs from the past year of the podcast. That helps us a ton in putting together the final podcast of 2016 and also booking our five-year anniversary show at The Hideout on December 17th, which is very exciting. Uh, Speaking of voting, make sure you go vote in the national election tomorrow. That won't really help us make podcasts, but it's still very important. Uh, And here's one other Nerdalogs plug, not related to elections. Next Friday night at 10 p.m., Your Stories is doing a show at the Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago as part of the inaugural Chicago Podcast Festival. We'll have lots more details on that in next week's episode, but that is very exciting and cool, and you can get tickets online right now at the Chicago Podcast Festival website if you are so inclined. I think that's all I've got for now, so let's make like Rodney Dangerfield and go back to school. being here on a, a Thursday night in Allen Hall. This is really cool. So uh, I don't know if you guys read my bio on the uh, Allen Hall Facebook event. I am also an alum of uh, University of Illinois. I studied English and philosophy. And then I bought a comic book store. And uh, I'll talk about that later. Um, but I always, uh, we play music at the top of every show to kind of set the, the mood. Every show is a theme. The theme tonight is Memory Lane because this is a very nostalgic trip for Kevin and us. Although nostalgia also has pitfalls, which I'm sure we'll touch on. But uh, so I used to be a DJ at WPGU 1071. And I'm going to play some songs that uh, I picked up while I was there. 
And I don't know if these bands are still cool. I know they're still touring, so, you know, you've probably heard of these bands at least, but I don't know. I don't know if uh, if you guys will like this, but you know what? This is for me, guys. The show is for me. JK. Um, this is a uh, song by Cokie and Cambria. Fain white figures paint my sleep. Please don't tell my secrets. Keep them hidden. You got it, you got it, you got it. If the words that matter reach your face from floor, will you be wondering if or do I need what is given to run this? Does it cost me scarring if the words stay true? Even number your nephew. Don't want it, don't want it, don't want it anymore. And when the answer that you want is in the question that you state, come what may, come what may. And when the answer that you want is in the question that you Buckles out of your knees. Could you stop this if I please? You got it, you got it, you got death. So destined I am to walk among the dark, a child and keeping secrets from. Well, they know what I've done in the after. In the sought for matter when the words blame you In a blood red summer I'll give you Don't want it, don't want it, don't want it When the answer that you want Is the question that you state Come what may Come what may And when the answer that you want Is the question that Next one. Oh, oh, whoa. Whoa, oh, 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 whoa. Whoa, oh, 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 whoa. Whoa, oh, 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 whoa. Nice job, guys. Oh, oh, oh. What did I do to deserve? What did I do to deserve this?
if you didn't, uh, and if you don't know that song, I was a DJ in late 2005. So that's where all these songs are from. <laughs> Land of 2005. Uh, also, I should mention, so there's usually like a five-piece band at the show, and tonight it's just me. So thank you all for uh, for being here and uh, letting me sing for you guys. So this is um. If there were like two songs in my in my life soundtrack, there's only like if I was to soundtrack my life, let's say that there's only two songs that 100% would be on that soundtrack. The first one is Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen, because I mean obviously, and then this is the number two song because I have such vivid memories of this song that I'm going to talk about in a story I tell too. Of just like late night at WPGU, like this song was all the rage, and it just well, anytime I hear it, it brings me back to fall 2005, like doing the the graveyard shift, drinking Pepsi and eating uh, two pack of Pop-Tarts to get through the night. Uh, it was pretty great. So this is by the Stereophonics. I gave it a little bit of a Bruce spin here. It's called Dakota. Thinking back, thinking of you. Summertime, think it was June. Yeah, think it was June. Laying back, head on the grass, chewing gum, having some laughs. Yeah, having some laughs. Drinking for two, drinking with you when drinking was new. Sleeping in the back of my car, we never went far, didn't need to go far. Coffee and juice Remembering you What happened to you I wonder if we'll meet again Talking about life since then Talk about why did it end 
take a look at me now. So 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 take a look at me now. Stereophonics, Dakota. Thanks, guys. All right. I'm going to put this thing down, but we do usually like to start the show, the stories, with someone who's done this before. And uh, it's only me and Kevin in this room, and Kevin's your guest of honor, so he's going to close, so I'm going to go first. Um, I've been thinking a lot about failure lately. Uh, this is related to the theme memory lane, I swear. So uh, I mentioned at the top that I used to uh, own a comic book store. Um, that store failed. I remember I mentioned, you know, listening to that song, uh, Late Nights at PGU. So what I was doing, that I, I DJed at PGU for one semester. And that whole semester, I knew at the end of that semester, I was going to go home and I was buying this store and I was going to open it. And it was kind of an interesting situation because the store was, it existed already and we were buying the stock from the previous owner and we needed $50,000 and we didn't have that kind of money, of course. But he was like, well, okay, so I'll give you guys my stuff now. If you can like sell it online or something and get me that money, then you don't need to worry about paying me. So I was like, great. So what I did, I bought this giant book. It's like the comic book price guide Bible. It's called the Overstreet Price Guide. And every night I was at PGU from midnight to 3 a.m. Anytime I did this, I'd pour over the Overstreet and look for dealers who might buy the stuff that we had. Now, all the stuff that we had, I don't know if you guys know comics at all, it was all like from the 80s and 90s, and it was just like stuff that there was millions of copies of in the marketplace, and it's not desirable, and it's not really worth anything. And any dealer I would call that had an ad in Overstreet that said, hey, we buy large collections, and we pay 95% of book value. Guess what? They didn't want what we had. That should have been a really big clue that this was a bad idea. And that's, that's what I did every time I was at PGU. Well... Yeah, I could never sell that collection. Had to come up with $50,000 through loans or whatever. Um, we made it last four and a half years, magically, but it did fail. At the end, I, I had no money. I was like, okay, cool. I'm out. This wrecked me financially. Uh, still paying off those debts, still living check to check. Um, that is that is a failure. That's what we call a failure. But I remember when that store closed down, I wrote this this note on Facebook. I don't know if people still write Facebook notes. I don't think so. Now you have media. Medium's all fancy. We had Facebook notes, and I wrote this note, and it was about how I failed. But the message was like, you know, you don't have to be so histrionic about failure. Failure. Like people hear that word, and they're like, well. They, they assume automatically that you're being overly emotional, that you're, you're being overly negative, you're being judgmental of yourself. I mean, there is a judgment implied in the word failure, but I don't necessarily think that it implies that you're like at the end of your rope tearing your hair out like, oh my god, I failed, I'm worthless. Like Failure, you can divorce from all those terrible emotions and just kind of step back and say, yeah, I messed up, I didn't do this right, maybe I'll try it again someday, maybe I won't, let's move on. All right, so let's fast forward because that failure is behind us. <laughs> so 2016 so now I manage a comic book store which is cool felt like a way to redeem that failure now someone else is paying me their money to do the work that I was doing out of my own pocket and man that feels pretty good um, doing this which has been really great we've had a really successful year um, but I, I knew going into 2016 I'm like 2016 is going to be a make or break year for me uh, at the top of the year there were two things that we were gonna that I really wanted to do. I wanted this this nerdologs thing that you're seeing right now to take off, and I wanted to 
uh, finally start taking seriously trying to find a relationship, all right? So we had, um, at the beginning of the year, I was seeing a girl who I really, really liked, and we had, uh, Kevin, I'm going to talk about this in very vague terms, so I'm not spoiling any <laughs> potential business deals in the future. We had a potentially giant deal on the table with that game Fisticuffs to make a lot of money, like enough money to quit our jobs, even the jobs that we like, and just do this full time. Well, that fell through. The girl fell through, which is fine. We're still actually really good friends. And then I met another girl, and I was like, okay, for sure, like, we were so serious about each other right away. I was like, for sure, this is, like, we're going to be in this for a long time. We're taking this seriously. This feels right. I think I think this was a make year. And then about two and a half months into us dating, her uh, sister's boyfriend, uh, or her sister's husband left her and she found out he was like cheating on her and he was like abusive all terrible things she was like cool I don't want to be in a relationship with anybody bye and <laughs> so that really sucked and um that was months ago but like to be real I'm still not totally over it and now especially with the weather cooling and like fall it's like it gets darker earlier and it's just kind of a lonely season and I've been feeling that loneliness and it honestly it feels like I failed again to the point where even when the other thing that I wanted is going really well like just Monday night Kevin texted me and and he was down here and he was ignoring all of you to text me this this wonderful thing he said hey I booked us a show at Meltdown Comics in LA now if you guys know that venue that's huge like they film a TV show out of there like that's Chris Hardwick's like office like this is incredible this is like exactly what I want to be doing and I responded very positively and I was excited but I still felt like a failure because I failed so hard and the other thing that I wanted but uh, let's get back to the meaning of that word so my friend uh, Mark Mark Coulomb another podcaster who I really admire uh, he he used the the cool new thing to write notes on not Facebook he used medium and last week he wrote this note uh, called I failed at podcasting and I'm like oh this title appeals to me uh, let's <laughs> let's see let's see what he has to say and Mark's whole thing was like I made a podcast for like four years it has maybe 60 listeners. I don't know if anyone really cared about it, but I met my wife because of it. Like, I, I met this great community of people, and I feel really good about everything I did. So even though this podcast, like, failed, and it did, like, I feel like I'm in a really good place thanks to podcasting. So I think all of you guys reading this should go out and fail. That's what Mark said, I think. Sorry if I mess up your words, Mark. But I was thinking about that, and I, I think he helped me remember my definition of failure to begin with. I think he made me realize, like, yeah, okay. I did fail at something this year. That doesn't mean I have to feel bad about it. That doesn't mean I have to wallow in sadness and not be excited about other opportunities. Like, I think Mark and, and just the events of this week and whatever helped me get to this place where I can say, cool, like, I have failed again in a different, maybe worse feeling way than I did with that comic book store. But it's okay because other stuff is going on and, and I, can, I can say I failed and, and move past it. And I, I think hopefully by telling the story, I'm starting to do that now. So that's what I have to say, guys. Thank you. All right. So we have a bunch of wonderful folks from uh, the university here, students and, and friends and people who Kevin met throughout the week who are going to share pieces with you tonight. And the first one of those is Avalon Ruby. Yeah. I don't know if I could follow up with that. My story is not as inspirational, <laughs> like at all. Hello. My story is when I was about seven to ten years old. I don't quite remember, but it is important. And I was traveling to Spain with my family. And my dad has a foreign exchange family, and they own a clementine orchard. And so me and my sister, I am like 10 years old, my sister's like 13. We don't speak Spanish at all. So we're running around with kids, and there's this thing about kids is that you can play, not know each other's language, and still be fine. 
I think my sister said K over 14 billion times to be exact. <laughs> so I, we had climbed up this huge, they had this huge like cement thing that the Spanish kids like to take cardboard and just slide down. I don't think it was very safe for various reasons that will become clear. Um, there was this rope and you would climb up and there was like a little tiny orchard at the top with all of these clementines. And so me and my sister were up there and we were picking clementines and I was peeling them, not eating them because I didn't like clementines. But then I would roll the peels down the cement block wall thing. Uh, halfway through, my sister, Tidbit, uh, is terrified of bees. Well, she was, because she had never been stung by a bee, and she was 13, and she thought that being stung by a bee was equated to death, basically. <laughs> so I am chilling with a, with a clementine, and uh, all I hear is the screaming of a 13-year-old girl going, Oh my god, there's bees! <laughs> so all of us, because we are equally panicked when everyone is screaming, are climbing down this rope, and my sister is holding the rope. Uh, and I am the last one to climb down because I am the least scared of bees. And she is continuing to walk backwards to keep the rope, like, taut. Uh, she didn't know I'd been throwing clementine peels down the huge cement wall. Uh, she subsequently slipped, let go of the rope, and I am sent crashing into this cement wall. Reason number one why giant cement walls are not very safe. So, um, I'm walking down, I am holding my head because I am 7 to 10 years old and I'm crying and it hurts. And so my sister, being the smart person, goes to run around this huge barn type thing to where all the adults are because we were children without any supervision. And about, she, and about, she was about halfway across the barn, I was holding my head, I pull my hand away and it is covered in blood because turns out head wounds like to bleed. Uh, so I had been crying. And she can hear me screaming because I am a very loud child. And I go, oh my god, I'm bleeding! She kicks it into high gear. Uh, she swears by this that when she walked into my family, who was eating octopus with all their Spanish friends, that the second she said something, my family, my parents, went through 15 different expressions in about 8 seconds. From the, honey, what are you talking about? To, oh my god, are you serious? So I'm still <laughs> crying. And I was 10 to seven, I don't actually know how many people there were. To me, there was a huge, like a movie type of opening, slamming the doors, and there's a huge crowd of people coming and spilling out. There are probably like 10 to 15, but I don't really remember. <laughs> They're all Spanish. So I am crying in a lot of pain. My parents are trying to soothe me, but I've got 15 Spanish Spaniards yelling at me. One of them is holding a <laughs> tissue and just like shoving it at me, but I can't understand them because I am seven to 10 and I don't speak Spanish. I am mostly crying that I don't want to get my head shaved. This is where the 7 to 10 part comes in because it had only been about a year since I exited kindergarten and one of my kindergarten friends had fallen off the playground and had to get stitches and had his head shaved. That was my main concern, was losing my hair. So eventually someone tells me that this Spanish woman is throwing this Kleenex at me because she's telling me to blow my nose. Uh, it turned out that the wound was like really tiny, but because it's a head wound, it bleeds a lot. So I had like a water and it was fine. Later in the day, we are walking and I at the time thought my family and people were fishing. It turns out they were just playing with bamboo sticks and pretending to fish. Needless to say, I had a head wound. I was a bit cranky because it hurt. I actually have pictures where you can see the back of my head and it looks like I have red hair dye, but it's a tidbit, it's blood. 
So about halfway through this like weird fishing trip, I don't quite remember why we were doing it, I get fussy and I go, I wanna go home. So my dad lifts me up and puts me on his shoulders and my family are walking up, are walking away and it's all picturesque because the sun is setting and I'm crying for some reason I don't remember. Uh, the biggest thing that I remember from that bes besides like going home was I was crying and my biggest concern was they don't have cheese sticks. <laughs> Thank you, Avalon. You've mentioned that uh, giant cement walls are not that safe. That's probably true unless you're like a king and you're like trying to fortify like your <laughs> castle against invaders. They're probably pretty dope. Then I don't know. They use cement, I don't, right? I was I was in the humanities, guys. I don't I don't know about that. I don't know what they made walls out of. Coming up next to the the stage area, Brock Russell. Yeah. Hey. Hi. Uh, uh, memory lane is the theme. Uh, I've been dwelling on it since Kevin said it for probably longer than I should have for the past couple of days. Uh, but this is this is definitely uh, this whole year has been a big trip for me because I lived here my freshman and sophomore year. I'm a sixth year senior. That's a long story. Um, but I'm back now, so I'm, and I'm actually on the same floor that I lived on when I did a lot of growing up and all that stuff. So kind of everything I look at has kind of been like, oh, I remember running into that or like bouncing off that and uh, doing a lot of stupid shit. But um, yeah, so one, one in particular, though, was my sophomore year. I lived in a four-person room, which has its challenges of its own, uh, but it was a great time. Uh, teamwork makes the dream work, right? <laughs> uh, but it was a rough semester. Uh, I started doing ROTC at the same time, too, so I was, like, constantly sleep-deprived, um, and I was doing this whole, like, three hours of sleep, nine hours awake, three hours of sleep, nine hours awake. Don't recommend it if you've never tried it. Um, <laughs> not a good time. So, but at this one particular time, uh, myself and my three roommates, we were all tucked into bed, all nice and snug and stuff like that. Uh, and I was kind of dozing in and out, and I was lightly dreaming. Uh, we all had curtains over our bed, um, over our bed. So I'm lightly dreaming, lightly dreaming. And I dreamed that I was on the bottom bunk. I was on the top bunk at the time. Um, I like to have a bird's eye view of things. I, I hear groans. I guess everyone knows where this is going already. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I think I'm on the bottom bunk, and I go to step off and step off into the room and do what I need to do. Um, dangle my legs over the side and just crash like a sack of bricks down into the ground. This is where it gets fun, though. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, I've had a lot of bad times waking up. Uh, as mentioned previously, had some military experience, so a couple times been, you know, sleeping in shacks, and then the trainers come in, kick the doors down, and start shooting paintball guns around, and everyone... Freaks out. Uh, that was one. Been woken up with pots and pans in the same, in similar regards, stuff like that. Uh, but the single worst uh, time I've ever woken up in my entire life was this particular instance where I landed straight on my testicles uh, and <laughs> flopped on the ground. And and it's very surreal because uh, you're kind of yanked into reality. Uh, it's, I guess it's like the opposite of blacking out. It's blacking in and like the worst. <laughs> way that I've sort of experienced um, and and my <laughs> just one just one of the roommates kind of you know like, and a little curtain peeks back like what are you doing like that was the reaction for my roommate um, yeah and so I'm instantly nauseous and I get up and I'm like I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go throw up real quick I'll be right back and I did and, and then I went back to bed and that was memory lane for me, was when I walked by that particular room, uh, saw that, triggered that memory, and I've grown since then. <laughs> <laughs> sort of way. So that's that. Thanks for letting me share. Yeah. Thank you, Brock. 
and I feel the opposite coming back to campus. Like, I don't recognize things. I, I see things that are different. Like, Green Street is high-rises now. That's, like, normal for you guys. That was not the case 10 years ago. It's very weird to me. Like, you can't see, the, uh, like, the sun when you're on Green Street. Oh, it's so bizarre. It's cool, though. I don't know. I'd like to live in one of those places. Coming up next to the stage, Rachel Pellegrino. I don't really know what made me think of this story, but um, when I was like seven or eight, my family has a place in Michigan, and one of my brother's friends had come up to that place with my family, and we were all out to eat at our restaurant, you know, just kind of, we're sitting at a round table, beautiful view outside, you know, we're all just, we're all laughing, we're all talking, sharing stories, and there was just kind of a natural lull in the conversation. And I was sitting next to my brother's friend, and natural lull, it's, it's quiet, and all of a sudden, he just picks up his knife and goes straight to my neck and goes, don't embarrass me, out of nowhere. And I, like, there's a knife at my neck, and I'm like, what's happening? And all that, the waitress was behind us, and she saw the whole thing happen and thought that my, I don't know if she thought that was, like, a real thing. Like, he was completely messing around. And she just, she's, like, stuttering and, like, I, I, I think I'm going to go. And we just, we never saw her after. Like, she, she was not our waitress after that, and we saw her, like, leave. It was just, I, I don't know. We, we traumatized someone that day. But... Um, but then that made me think of that same weekend. It was the 4th of July and we were all we were all like on different boats. And so my brother and my brother, two of my brothers were on a wave runner. My brother and was on another wave runner. And me, yeah, and me and my brother's friend were in this like mini speedboat that yeah, it's just it's just a mini speedboat. And we my brother had the idea of like let's play tag with boats. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds terrible already. That sounds ter- I don't, like, they were adults. I don't know why they didn't think that sounded like a bad idea. And we had, we had this running gag the whole weekend that things that we did had to be extreme or double extreme. And so we're playing this, this game of boat tag, and we were trying to keep it extreme. We were trying to keep it double extreme. It went beyond that. We, it was like the two boats were going side, the boat and the wave runner were going side by side, and me and my brother's friend turned sharply left in the boat, and the wave runner came and was about to crash. But luckily, the sides of the boat were like slanted, so the wave runner took took the boat like a wave and hopped over. And I did not see. I was like seven. I wasn't paying attention. I didn't see it coming, but my brother's friend did and just went, look out, and grabbed my neck and shoved me to the ground. And one of my brothers who was on the wave runner watching the whole thing, like from his viewpoint, it looked like I got decapitated. (laughs) And so, so, you know, I'm down. I kind of like, I had no idea what happened. I didn't see the boat coming. My brother's friend got like the top of his eye cut and he was like profusely bleeding. And then my brother over here is screaming, like, Rachel, like, because he thought I got decapitated. And I come out of the boat, like, hey, what's up? Everything's good for me. Everybody's, like, bleeding and traumatized. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just a seven-year-old being like, that was fun, wasn't it? It was 
So then after that moment, we always, that was triple extreme, and we never want to go back to things being triple extreme. So always, always keep it double. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. You guys heard it here first, keep it double extreme only. Although, I heard that story, I understand the story. Tag with boats sounds really fun still. Like, do you guys just want to go do that? I don't have boats, but I have the urge to play tag with them. Coming up next, please welcome Jesus Monroy. Oh, damn. Hi. So I was originally going to tell the first story, the first time I went to Mexico, but Rachel's story reminded me of when I went to Costa Rica, (laughs) which the instructor was Laura, who was the one who Kevin reached out to, and I'm going to tell some things that happened on the trip that she doesn't know about and that that she really shouldn't know about. But (laughs) um, So... Uh, my ju- last year of my junior year, I um, took a, a class that surrounded uh, around uh, environment and sustainability in Costa Rica. So we learned about like different um, ways uh, Costa Rica has been innovative in the ways they're keeping their country green. And the really cool thing about this class, like in spring, you get to go and like you get to go uh, experience like what it is to be sustainable and like see all these different kinds of farms and agriculture and natural like preservatories so we go um it was i'm super stoked i'm like i've never been outside of the like i've never been outside of like the mexico region and this is gonna be cool so we go on the plane uh i'm excited as hell when we get off i lose my phone automatically day one (laughs) i'm just like this is gonna be a trip this is exciting um we land in san jose which is like the capital of costa rica i believe it's beautiful there we saw some b-boys dancing we entered like um right b-boys and like we entered um this like maze of what would be considered like just um like double decker stores like it kind of felt like you can like get on a ladder and like there's just another store above another store it was really rad and the first day was really fun we settled in uh the next morning we uh settle into uh, our bus and get uh ready to go to um Cojuita, which is on like the gulf uh we get there and our tour guide takes us to the shore and gives us our safety debrief and we're just like, all right, cool, cool, cool. He's just like, you know, like, while well, you're here, you know, don't touch anything you don't want to. Um, we're going to tell you if the water's okay to drink or not. Um, please don't flush, like, toiletries down the toilet. Uh, don't drown. Um, you know, like, uh, just be responsible adults. Um, one of those uh, li- things on the list is going to be very key in the story. Um, so afterwards, obviously we're on the beach and like everyone was just like, let's go to the beach. Let's have fun with the locals. We're like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So we go. It's around maybe 5 or 6 p.m. Um, we're having the time of our lives. Uh, we're just, we're like, it's just like, you know, fun, generic, like spring break, uh, what you would see on MTV. And as we're like going into like the ocean, like I'm noticing, I'm like, it's kind of getting hard to get onto the ground here. Um, and, like, the moment that happened, I was like, all right, I'm going to start, like, getting to shore. And, like, I'm swimming back, and I realize, okay, oh, shit. All right, like, I can't get back to shore. Like, we got caught, I got caught by a riptide. And I was, uh, let this, I was with ten other kids. I was the one closest to the shore. Also, I am not the tallest one. So I was just like, oh, shit, Okay. Um, as so we, uh, I like get a sense of dread and I look around everybody else and they all kind of got clued in. They're like, Oh, we're fucked. And, we're, <laughs> and we were just like, all right, all right. So everyone was just like trying like as hard as they can to get back onto the shore. 
and to very failed attempts to like until like uh, lifeguards came, I was able to somehow like get pushed by someone else until like this rocky part of the riptide that like I was able to like cl- like uh, submerge myself and climb on the ground to get to like the surface. <laughs> Um, and I was just like, Jesus. And I go back to the shore. Everybody's back out, like, traumatized. And I have a friend named Heidi who's amazing. She's my best friend, like, since she was little. Totally oblivious that we were just drowning. Like, did not register to her that us, like, dying was, like, a, like a not good time. And so she's taking pictures of us, like, like, look at me on the beach with my friends. Like, a group shot. And we're just like, we just all drowned. And she's like... Oh shit, so should I delete these photos? And we were just like, yeah, that might be like a fun thing. And so, like, we, everybody gets out, like, we huddle up, we're like, alright, we can't tell the instructors that we just almost died, like, the moment, like, the, an hour, like, not even an hour after we were just told not to die. Um, so we go back to our room, and me and my roommate, like, look at each other, like, we almost died. And we're like, yeah, we're like, that's dope. We went to bed, we woke up, we went out, and we were just like, and there was a group test that was like, we almost died, let's go drink. And we were just like, and I was like, yeah, I just got a new lease on life. Like, we all did. Like, we all got a second chance. Like, I was just like, let's break my sobriety, and like, let's go drink. And it was fun. Um, the bars in, in Costa Rica are cool. There's, they love Costa Rica. They also love grapefruit. I had a lot of grapefruit beer, which was delicious. And uh, towards the end, of it was just really fun because after that, that kind of broke the ice because we were because the whole the uh, for the first entire part of the class, no one spoke to each other. But after like almost all died, we were just like, yeah, we're cool. Like, yeah, all right, let's let's cool. So the rest of the trip was really fun. Uh, the next morning was the funnest part of the trip. We went snorkeling. And I was the only person who was just like, I have an anxiety disorder, first of all. I am the human depiction of non-treated mental illness. I was like, I'm not submerging myself into water again. But everybody else was just like, yeah, let's go back. Let's just be rebels. And I was just like, we almost died yesterday. Mortality is so alive in our bodies. <laughs> and like, the, it's because we hadn't told Laura or the instructor, they were just like, why don't you want to get in the water? And I'm just like, I'm just, you know, sick. You know, I'm just, I'm not feeling too well. And towards the end, I think Laura kind of got clued in that um, we almost died, but we were just like, we're never going to tell her until now. I'm so sorry. You were my former employer. Please. <laughs> and you're writing my grad school letter. So <laughs> so I love you. Thank you. And I'll babysit on whenever you want. <laughs> Thank you. Jesus, Monroe. I have learned something really important, which is that water is dangerous, and you should never go in it, play around it. Just don't, don't mess with it. Don't even drink it. Only drink pop and beer. Don't do any. And drink concrete walls as well. It's very safe. Coming up next, Sarah Miller. So I'm I'm alum, class of 2006. So I printed mine <laughs> because that's what we did back then. Okay, so when Kevin told me that the prompt was memory lane, um, a lot of different things came to mind for me. Late college nights, weekends in the city with friends, uh, the living hell that was six full years of my life working as a junk mail specialist. Um, But the one thing that I kept thinking of most were my memories of cruising down interstates, highways, and back roads on the annual summer vacation my family took. 
So I grew up in a really conservative middle-class household not far from here, and my parents made a good living, and while some years were better than others, they always made a point to take my sister and me on a trip every summer. Since plane tickets were deemed too expensive, uh, we would pack up our family minivan with a cooler full of snacks and head to far-off locales such as Washington, D.C., Orlando, and Santa Claus, Indiana. Uh, Often, we'd be in the car for seven or eight hour stretches with a couple of bathroom breaks and a lot of time on our hands. My mom tried hard each year to entertain us, but after a couple hours, everyone was sick of talking and ready to settle in and listen to some music. Now, in my family, there's only one artist that everyone will consent to listen to, and that is Jimmy Buffett. So, whether it was appropriate or not, both my sister and I were raised to sing about margaritas, pirates, and sex on beaches. So, Buffett has always spoken to us as a family. On road trips, we'd put on tape after tape of his albums, sing along together. We gladly identified ourselves as parrot heads, and we never got sick of his songs. As I grew older, the more I listened to his music, the more I enjoyed it. All through college, I discovered new artists and genres, but Jimmy's song still had a, held a special place in my heart. His music became the perfect thing to study to, walk to class to, and much to the annoyance of my doormates, blast from my computer while getting ready for the night. Spring semester of my senior year, my parents let me know they had a surprise for me. As part of my graduation present, they were taking us up to Alpine Valley in Wisconsin to see Buffett in concert with a group of their parrothead friends. I was equal parts excited and skeptical. Sure, I wanted to see Jimmy, but I doubted I'd have fun hanging out with a bunch of adults in their mid-40s. Plus, I wanted to drink before the concert, and there was no way that they could keep up with someone who had gotten a degree in the art of partying in college. (laughs) The first sign that I was dead wrong was when our caravan of SUVs got stuck in gridlock traffic on the way up to Wisconsin. Each car had been given a walkie-talkie for the ride, and ours crackled to life and told us to open up for a special delivery. Before I knew it, one of my parents' friends had jumped out of the car in front of us with a tray of jello shots. She proceeded to go up and down our caravan, making sure everyone, including drivers, took at least two. The conversations got wilder as Coronas were taken out of coolers and Buffett blasted from the stereos. That was the tamest part of our trip. (laughs) The next day, we got to the tailgating area of the concert at 10 a.m. I was handed drink after drink as I watched all ages of people let their hair down, take their clothes off, and embrace hedonism. I was asked to flash several different groups of people, given a ridiculous amount of shots, and invited into a clothing-optional blow-up pool in front of my father. Yes, that particular moment was just as awkward as it sounds. I saw paper mache volcanoes built into truck beds, giant blow-up sharks, and smelled weed everywhere we went. By concert time, I was feeling fantastic. Somehow, my parents and their friends were fine after drinking the entire day. I was stumbling and promptly fell on my ass, spilling a beer inside the venue. They picked me up and helped me to our spot on the lawn. As I joined in with hundreds of people singing along to every word, I realized I was being baptized into the Church of Buffett. (laughs) It was incredible. I was drunk, teary, and loving each minute. Young, old, smashed, high, or sober, the audience was united in their love of Jimmy. That night, Alpine Valley, Wisconsin, had become a beach resort destination. (laughs) 
From then on, I was hooked. Each additional concert I've attended has been a family bonding experience, and his music still plays an important part in our lives. In 2008, we took my younger sister and her boyfriend to their first show in Chicago. Nine months later, my niece was born. <laughs> True story. A couple of years after that, my dad and I traveled to Nashville to see Buffett with a group of parrot heads. We spent the weekend stumbling in and out of honky-tonks, eating barbecue, and had shots poured in our mouths by half-dressed coyote ugly bartenders. <laughs> Strangely, that moment was not as awkward as it sounds. Um, this summer, the whole family drove back to Chicago to see Buffett together. We set up our tailgate on a 98-degree day and had the time of our lives. We drank margaritas, invited random strangers over for shots, and worshipped at the altar of Jimmy. We went wild when my dad was featured on the big screen at the concert in his homemade shark fin hat. <laughs> Every important Miller family holiday, wedding, or birthday involves celebrating with Jimmy's music. We started taking my niece to Buffett Tribute Band concerts when she was six months old. When we're all together and one of his songs come on, comes on, we will take over your dance floor. As odd as it may seem, Jimmy Buffett's tales of boats, bars, beaches, and beers continue to unite us year after year. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I did not know any of that about Jimmy Buffett fans. You guys go hard, man. You know what? At Springsteen concerts, people just gather around before the show and talk about the economy. Talk about, oh, man, that steel mill. Sure's bummer closed down. <laughs> All right. We have one more storyteller tonight. He has been your artist in residence at Unit 1 all week. He is the founder of the Nerdalogs and one of my favorite people. This is Kevin Reeder. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this. This is the worst. Oh, oops, sorry. Yeah. Mmm. Natty Light. This is both a toast and a eulogy. It's a toast to the people we can become and to the people that we are meant to be. It's a eulogy to the awkward, the confused, and the unenthused. A shedding of the skin that we no longer want to wear. Feels sick to my stomach right now. It feels like I'm walking around in a inside of a dream. Everything is familiar but distant. I know I've been here before, and I need to trust my muscles to guide me where I need to go. Everything is different, but somehow the same. This is a place, living, breathing, memory of ruins, with a big fucking bell tower dropped on the southernmost tip of it. Ah! <laughs> ew! Ew! Damn, this place is sick. That good kind of sick. Like, sick nasty. You know, and the food, the food seems like, <laughs> the food seems like it's a lot better than when I was here. I didn't have to shop, cook for a whole week. It feels like heaven to me. Ah, ew, ew. I am I. Oh, fuck. That's the, that's the spot where I tumbled out of my friend's boyfriend's car and puked everywhere. I was 21. I cried into a toilet. I swore that I would never do that again if the room would just stop spinning. It didn't. And neither did I. Ah, ew, ew! 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 Ah, ew, ew
that's the spot where I fell in love. <laughs> that's the spot where I lived as a junior. And that's the spot where my heart was broken. That's the spot where I lived as a senior. And that's the spot where I picked myself back up. And that's the spot where I lived in grad school. And that's the spot where I first ate Korean food. And that's the other spot where I lived in grad school. And that's the spot that I learned how to laugh. And that's the third spot I lived when I was in grad school. And that's the spot where I eat, ate at least 200 Subway sandwiches. And that's the spot where I wiped out of my bike right before we went on a bus to East St. Louis. My face is everywhere. Hey, this one's for you. Thanks to everyone that's uh, been here this whole time. Thanks to the students, to Alan Hall, to all my dear friends, new and old. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Holy crap, this is really cool. Give it up for everybody who told the story tonight, huh? Yes. Give it up for Kevin Reeder, your artist in residence. Kevin's awesome. Uh, this is really fun. Yeah, this is really special for me. I hope you guys had a great time. Like Kevin said, we've been doing this show for five years. Our fifth anniversary show is actually coming up in December at the Hideout in Chicago, which is going to be really exciting. Um, got shows at Meltdown Comics next year. Uh, doing a show at Steppenwolf next month. It's crazy, but this show felt, uh, I know, yeah, oh, theater people are like, oh, Steppenwolf. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a little side theater at Steppenwolf. It's cool. It's not, it's nothing crazy, but, uh, no, it's this, but this show felt really good and I was just as excited to do this one as any of those it's really nice to come back so i hope you guys enjoyed this you all were great tonight uh i have one more song i'm gonna do to take us out i don't know if you guys knew those first two i played but god damn it you should know this one and i'm not just saying that because i'm an old man who's like oh in my day indie rock blah 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 um bruce is my number one Jenny Lewis is my number two. I love Jenny Lewis. This is from her band, Rilo Kylie. This was the song that PGU played so, so much when I was a DJ there. And, uh, oh, man, it's, it's a part of me now, guys. So uh, thank you all so much for coming. The podcast of this will be up on Monday, November 7th, P.S. So uh, if you want to relive this night, think back about memory lane from uh, about 10 days ago. <laughs> the best nostalgia, the kind that you can vividly remember. <laughs> Talking trash, but you never say anything. And the talking leads to touching, and the touching leads to sex, and then there is no mystery left. And it's bad news, baby. I'm bad news. Another form of relief And 
And the loneliness leads to bad dreams And the bad dreams lead me to calling you And I call you and say Come here Just damage control for a walking corpse like me, like you. Cause we'll all be portions for foxes. Yeah, we'll all be portions for foxes. There's a pretty young thing in front of you And she's real pretty and she's real into you And she'll be sleeping inside of you And the talking leads to touching And the touching leads to sex And then there is no mystery left Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you like Your Stories, you might also enjoy Campaign. In the Campaign Podcast, a small group of Chicago improvisers play through an ongoing role-playing game set in the Star Wars universe. It's hosted by Cat Cool. For more on Campaign, visit www.oneshotpodcast.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.